Welcome to the St. Michael Fall Podcast Series. My name is Mary Lessman, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this fall is God is doing a new thing. Following our 75th anniversary celebration, St. Michael is refreshed and renewed for a bright future. Now God is calling us to make new commitments in our faith and in our community. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. A reading from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. From Miletus he sent a message to Ephesus, asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house to house, as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus. And now, as a captive to the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. But I do not count my life of any value to myself, if only I may finish this course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will ever see my face again. Therefore I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God that He obtained with the blood of His own Son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Some, even from your own group, will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. Therefore, be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the message of His grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. In all this, I have given you an example that by such work we must support the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When He had finished speaking, He knelt down with them all and prayed. There was much weeping among them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said, that they would not see him again. Then. They brought him to the ship. Here ends the reading. There are striking similarities between Paul's lengthy speech to the elders of Ephesus and Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples. While this is true of all the gospel accounts, it is especially true of Luke's account. Here, as they sit around the table, Jesus tells his disciples that he will suffer, that there are some among them who will betray him, 
that there will be misunderstandings among them about the nature of leadership in the community he leaves behind. Jesus tells them that the disciples should emulate him as the one who serves. Then after they go out to the Mount of Olives, Jesus warns them of coming dangers and tells them to pray that you may not enter into temptation. The parallels between Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples and Paul's farewell speech to the Ephesian elders are too numerous to be coincidental. And we should not be surprised as both Luke and Acts are written by the same author. Paul is speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. This is a congregation with which he has a close, mutually admiring relationship. He spent the better part of three years in Ephesus, so he knows the congregation intimately. And just as we are able to speak in more passionate and direct ways with people who are close to us, Paul is able to do so in this address to the elders. After reminding them of his faithful witness and personal sacrifice, Paul jumps right in. He knows as he leaves them that imprisonment and persecution await him in every place to which he'll travel. To put a fine point on his impending trials, he tells them, none of you will ever see my face again. But he's not concerned with the fate of his life except as it allows him to testify to Jesus Christ. He does not sugarcoat the reality that wolves will rise up among them from without, but also from within. It is the duty of the church leadership to protect the congregation from these wolves who would distort the gospel or use the church for their own means. He reminds them that as a leader in the church, Paul provided for himself from his own labor and did not covet the acquisition of money or fine things. When he's finished preparing the church elders for his absence, Paul kneels with them and prays. There is weeping and kissing and embracing and they send Paul on his way. Paul's speech to the church is a great reminder to us of the importance of a faithful witness. When it comes right down to it, without examples of godly living to follow, Christians really have very little to offer the world. Examples of holy living and dying have made a great difference to the church in every age. The martyrs of the early church and the Reformation Folks who bravely died in the conviction of their faith. Folks like Polycarp, Thomas Beckett, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Oscar Romero. Folks who've lived saintly lives in the care of others, like Mother Teresa. Folks who've worked tirelessly for the spread of the gospel and for justice and understanding in the world. Folks like Martin Luther, William Wilberforce, and Desmond Tutu. I have no doubt that if I asked you to reflect on examples of holy living and dying, many faces would come to mind. Faces of family members and Sunday school teachers, of coaches and troop leaders. The world is quite right in expecting that if the gospel of Jesus is true, it will be embodied in the lives of people who follow Jesus. And we in the church should be quite wary, just as Jesus and Paul warned us, of wolves who speak of faith without embodying it, without living lives that bear witness to the life and priorities of Jesus. Let us remember with gratitude those in our lives who have been examples of faithful living. And let us pray that Christ would continue to transform us 
that we might be an example of faithful living for others. Amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that, having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice and give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 